Now, Kevin Barker, you'd think that... How long has the home plate collision rule been in effect? 2014. 2014? I think people have stopped bitching about it by now. I think if you're the managers, you have to. Sticking up for your team, you think it's the wrong call, your team's working hard. All these teams in the American League are fighting for playoff spots. They're all sort of bunched together. There's not one team that's that much better than all the other teams. So all these games are going to matter. And if you're the Twinkies, don't look now, but here come them big old bad White Sox. Well, of course, we're talking about the uh, the major talking point out of yesterday's 3-2 win for the Blue Jays over the Minnesota Twins that uh, gave the Jays, or allowed the Jays, I should say, to split a uh, four-game series with Minnesota. It's an eventful series. There's a ton of stuff to talk about. George Springer went on the IL, which probably comes as no surprise to anybody. Uh, Tim Mazes done for the short term, anyhow, after separating his shoulder on a play at the plate. But it was a play at the plate, another play at the plate yesterday. And the, the plate was everything. Uh, we saw the Jays lose a game on Friday on a play at the plate. In extra innings? Bad throw, though. It was a bad throw. But, you know, I think John Schneider talked about, look, it was an inning where the two key defensive plays involved Danny Jansen and Matt Chapman. Most of the time, those guys are going to make the plays. So you just, you you know, that happens. And then, of course, Saturday, mm-hmm. Mesa's elbow or his shoulder gets dislocated. And yesterday, the winning run is scored by Whit Merrifield in extra innings. And I, you know, Whit Merrifield taking aggression to a new level, going to third on a uh, on, on, to. A, on a fly ball, and then uh, scoring <laughs> scoring on a play at the plate that resulted in Rocco Baldelli being thrown out, and and it brought into play the whole uh, the whole catcher blocking the plate scenario that we've we've talked about or that has been in effect since 2014 since a play that saw almost ended Buster Posey's career but it shortened it it shortened sure. it almost ended it but sure it did. certainly it certainly shortened Buster mm-hmm. Posey's Buster Posey's career and you know i mean there are two ways to look at this there are people in baseball who still think that that should be part of the game you know that you should be allowed to bowl over the catcher i don't feel that way at all i think we've seen Put it this way, the play hasn't changed the game dramatically. It, it, it just hasn't. It's a, it's a rule that's designed to protect catchers. I still have a bigger issue with the takeout slide at second base. I think that should be allowed. But, um, I mean, it's not, it's not one that I, I, I'm certainly not willing to go to the, go to the wall for. Mm. But, Kevin, you know, it's, it's clear that Whit Merrifield is out. Um, Gary Sanchez drops his leg, blocks the plate, but then you get into the whole definition of the actual play itself. Did did he did did Gary Sanchez have any choice in the matter really? Because he had to field the throw. Uh, did the throw pull him into the lane? We saw in, in a game, the Baltimore Orioles game yesterday, same play, uh, same situation where catchers called for blocking mm. the plate. How did you see that play? Well, which one do you want to start with? The, the the one in Baltimore for me with Chirinos, that that play was the the ball was basically on the foul line. And whenever that ball's on the foul line, that's a little bit tougher call for a umpiring crew to make a call on whether he has a chance of giving that runner a lane to run to and 
still have an athletic, be in an athletic position well enough to be able to make a tag on a runner to get a runner out. So that play for me is a little tougher because Torino, first of all, is trying to catch the baseball first. Mm -hmm. That's because it's bouncing. When it's bouncing like that and it's on the line, that's a tough play. What do you do? Do you do you stand on the sides to, to still give the runner a lane to lay it? Or do you get in front of it like Torino's did to try and actually catch it first and then make the play? Ultimately, you're blocking the the lane for the runner to slide into. It, it's This rule is basically a rule to take the doubt out of the runner's mind to whether I run him over or not. That That's what the league is trying to erase. They don't want that because bad things can happen. You know, that when you're running around third or you're tagging up at third base, the last thing you should ever be thinking about because he's blocking that plate, should I run him over or should I slide? They're trying to eliminate that because they want the catcher to be healthy enough to play the next day, and they also want the runner to be healthy enough to play the next day. So for me, it's all about how the catcher starts. If he starts blocking the plate, I'm, I'm assuming most of the time, if not all the time, the runner will be safe. No, no matter if he catches it or not, it's the selling job of the catcher to sell it to the umpiring crew that at least he tried to give that runner a lane to slide to. If you do that, and that ultimately where the ball is thrown to will basically, you know, make you go into the lane to block the plate. So for me, it was just yesterday, at least well, in the Blue Jays game, when you, whenever Sanchez is standing in the lane to not let the runner slide into the bag most of the time, like the the call there. The umpires are going to call him safe. Now, I don't like the play. You know, I, I think there needs to be some adjustments, and I'm sure there will be at the end of the season because this is a thing now. Like, there's been enough uproar about this that the conversation will be had, and I don't know how they can change that. See, I, yeah, I don't think the conversation will be held because this is it's they're not changing it. It's the rule that's been in effect since 2014. It, it it comes up every now and then. People argue about it, but there's not going to be any change to the rule. I, yeah, I don't I'm not sure there could can. be. I, you know, I think no, it's pretty I, cut and dry. You're either blocking the line or you're not. Uh, anyhow, so uh, we have a lot to talk about, obviously, out of yesterday's game, not just the play at the plate. Kevin Gossman had a strong performance against a team that has given him trouble in the past. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in this series. It was the first series where we've had a chance to see the Blue Jays' newest bullpen acquisitions. And uh, seeing, I think, a little bit of, of the trickle-down impact that's going to have and how John Schneider uses his bullpen. We're going to be joined by Caleb Joseph later on in the hour. Dan Connolly, a terrific writer who covers the Orioles for the Athletic. The Baltimore Orioles and the Jays start a three-game series tonight. And as we expected at the start of the year, it will be one of the biggest series of the year. <clears throat> as the... Uh, Baltimore Orioles look to. I'm still in, I'm I'm still in the camp. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and right now the Blue Jays are yeah. supposed to beat the Orioles. Let's talk about that play though, um, because we've got a lot of we got some clips I want to get to. Uh, not surprisingly, Rocco Baldelli got tossed. He got his money's worth taking a shot he's, at the umpires. To. And Take some, up for his team. Some of the fans too. This is Rocco Baldelli talking about the play involving Whit Merrifield and Gary Sanchez uh, and and his ejection from the game. That play has not been called since the beginning of replay more than a couple of times. In all of baseball, the thousands and thousands of games and plays at home where the catcher actually does block the plate over and over and over again, that play has virtually 
never been called. And for someone to step in in that situation and ultimately make a decision that that was blocking the plate, that's beyond embarrassing for our game, for all the players out there on both sides of the field working their ass off for the entire game. It's completely unacceptable. I can't even believe I'm sitting here talking to you guys about this right now. It's one of the worst moments I think we've seen of umpiring in any game I've ever been a part of in baseball. And I think it was pathetic what, what just played out. And I could go on and on and on about this. The, the umpires on the field have nothing to do with it. They made a play on the field, which was the right call, which every person in all of baseball, including the umpires, know is the proper call. And someone in New York decided that that was ver worthy of being overturned on the field. You know, the, the worst example of umpiring. I mean, when's the la I wonder when the last time Angel Hernandez worked a game that Rocco Baldelli was a manager of. But anyhow, that was Rocco Baldelli's take on the play at the plate. Uh, surprisingly, John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, a former catcher. Mm. I kind of saw it a little differently, I think, Lance. I think the call was correct. You know, that's why they have the rule in place. And, um, you know, credit to Witt for, A, getting a third on the fly ball to center on Buxton, and then, B, you know, sliding correctly into home, which I think made that play a little bit more relevant, you know. So um, that's kind of what we saw, you know, in, you know, live and in person, and uh, was confirmed on video. So... You know, rules are the rules, and uh, glad that Witt did it the way he did. It's interesting hearing him say that because one of the points, and Witt Merrifield did slide, one of the points in the Baltimore game that Brandon Hyde made is that the base runner did not slide in that game. The base runner literally essentially ran into Robinson. I can't remember who the base runner was, was but he went in standing up to Robinson Torinos and kind of half-assed it. And you talk about selling a play. you got to sell a play. And it's hard. You you got to sell a play if you're a player. And, and, yeah, I guess for me, it's always been because they have to give you the lane. You can slide head first. I think that's what Snides is talking about. Is he didn't do that? He he would slide feet first, which would sell the play a little bit more that he didn't give the lane. You can you could see when, as soon as he slid and he was out, he looked up to the umpire and went. He didn't give me the lane. Yeah. I couldn't. There was nowhere for me to go but straight to it. So and this was Whit Merrifield talking about that play. You don't want it to come down to a, a rules decision, sure but you you know, the rules are there for a reason. If you know, it wasn't there, kind of like, I don't know, a while ago I could have run him over and try to free the ball. Um, he's got to give me a lane to slide in, and didn't think I had one, and like I said, I think they made the right call. Yeah. There you go. That was Whit Merrifield. And uh, bottom line, the Jays won 3-2. Uh, survived a blow and save by Jordan Romano and uh, went on what? Well, I knew you had to throw that in there. Well, well, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear both sides. Was. How when it, when, it was, it, when it benefits one side, how they speak about it and how it didn't benefit the other side. Yeah, I lost how, a how, that, how that manager speaks about it. I lost a little bit of respect for Rocco Baldelli. I mean, I understand you're taking up for your team, but the rule's the rule. Um, you know, I, we'll talk to Caleb. I don't know. Was, was there, should Gary Sanchez have done something else? I don't know. Should he have moved in front of the plate and swiped? Hey, we'll find out. We'll talk to we'll talk to a guy who's been there. He's played under those rules. Sure. 
Unlike, you know, he's a catcher who's, who was was who played under those rules? So we'll talk to Caleb. We'll talk to Caleb about that. Let's uh, and we'll do that in greater it detail. It has to be a last-second reaction. Will play is the whole point. I think. Let's move on to to the game itself um, and the series. It was, as I said, the first series where we saw the new bullpen acquisitions, Zach Pop and uh, and Anthony Bass. You know, the first thing I noticed, Kevin, is Adam Simber pitched one and one-third innings in a four-game series, which I normally Adam Simber before that trade. Adam, Adam Simber probably would have been used at least three innings in that four-game series out of necessity. So let's let's focus on that first of all because the bullpen, I think we agree, the acquisitions made the bullpen better, just not as much better as we, th- we thought, as I thought, and mm-hmm. I think as you thought, and I think the coaching staff thinks the bullpen mm-hmm. needed to be. So, but... Let's talk about the impact we saw out of Zach Pop and Anthony Bass and 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 the trickle down impact. It, it almost seems to me that Jimmy Garcia is the winner here. Well, now he's the eighth inning guy. Like yeah. there's no there's no question about what he's going to do. And Anthony Bass can be the sort of the hybrid guy. He can pitch the seventh. He can pitch the eighth. He can pitch the ninth. Now Anthony Bass, you know, there is a little bit of that. Do you really know what you're going to get from him? Now if he continues to throw the slider that he's thrown in the last couple of days, that's going to be a that's going to be a tough thing yeah. for him to try and get through American League East teams, shorter ballparks. Like, that has that pitch has to be a little bit better. But he's trying to throw more strikes with it. You, you, you understand why he's trying to, I don't want to say abuse it, but he's trying to use it more for a weapon, strike one, elimination pitch, and use the fastball for an element of surprise. If he can do that, late in games, it gives John Snyder a few more options, and now he doesn't have to abuse other guys for trickery. He, he was relying on some trickery. You know, Trevor Richards, trickery. Adam Simber, trickery. Like, there's a, a little bit of that where you, how many times can you actually go to that? Now I think he has a few more options. He can match up a little bit better now with, you know, different arm angles and change of speeds and adding and subtracting. So I do think that's a little bit better. But for me, the one thing that came out of this, how do you fix Jose Barrios? That, that's the one thing here. I, the, the splits between home and, and away are astronomical. Like, they're just not... A little. They're astronomical. And how can you – can you even fix that? Like, I know they're going to keep running them out there every five days, which they should. They gave him enough money. He's earned that track record and all those things. But mechanically, he hasn't been good. Now, I, I, that, that for me is the one thing. The bullpen is what the bullpen is. But how do you know you, – you're going to need three guys down the stretch here. I think the first two, you've taken care of that. The third one – do you feel confident in it? I'm not sure they do. I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure Blue Jays fans do. And I think that they're going to need him. You, you, again, you talk about the 15 games against the Orioles. You need a third guy to uh, be, be better than what the third guy's been. Let's put it that way. For one me, the, anyway. One of the things I wanted to mention about Anthony Bass, something you pointed out. He pitched... What am I looking at here? He's pitched. Uh, he pitched forty-seven and a third innings in the National League this year. Before coming over here, and let me just check: fifteen and two thirds were against Colorado, Pittsburgh, and Washington. So he is not. And I'm not taking anything away from Anthony Bass, but I'm saying mm-hmm. you, you've got to keep. You've got to keep those stats in. You've got to put those stats in some sort of context when you talk about a guy. He's 
So that's 15 and two thirds. Almost a third of third of his innings have been against crap teams, basically. No question. No, it's not his fault. No, it's not. It's not his fault. But but this gets to your point about pitching in the American League East and pitching in the American League or like, the American League. Period. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It's it's the you know I think sometimes you're, to your point you can get away with a cement mix and slider to some really bad teams. Now, again, that will give you confidence that now you can go out and when you do face good teams, which he has faced, he's on some good teams in there. So you, so you give him confidence. That'll give you confidence that when he goes out there, he can do it with a couple of different pitches. he got a couple of different sliders. Looks like one's a little bit more 12-6. That's the strike one. Mm. He's got one that looks a little bit like more one to seven. That's the eliminator. And then the fastball's got a little movement. It does have a little hair on it. Doesn't have enough hair on it for me all the time. But... Again, it gives Snyder more options. And if that's what they were going for as an organization, I think that's what they, they've they accomplished. Now, again, it will help if Bo gets hot, if Kirky can turn the corner and start doing Kirk things that got him to the All-Star game, if Teoscar continued to do right. that, what, what he's doing. So the offense has to carry the load and you fill in the blanks with the way you're going to fill in the blanks. John Snyder and Pete Walker have told you from the get here, by the way John's handled the lineup, by, by the way they're using their bullpen, they ain't messing around. They're going to go to whoever they have to go to. All right, I, let's, we'll talk about the hitting in a minute. I do want to touch on Kevin Gossman's performance yesterday. Coming into this game, he was 0-4 at the 740 ERA against Minnesota. The Twins had that that or he had that start against the Twins earlier in the year where whether it was tipping pitches or whatever the hell it was the Twins were laying off the splitter and it was it was enough certainly that Kevin Gossman and Pete Walker retreated to the video room to try to figure out what the hell what the hell was going on. The Twins saw a different Kevin Gossman yesterday. Now granted they did not have Carlos Correa or Byron Buxton in the lineup. And uh, but but nonetheless, Kevin Gossman was really good yesterday. Oh, you love load management, right? If you're the Blue Jays, you'll yeah. take you'll take oh, yeah. it whenever you can get it. You know, the, the there's a couple of things. The the fastball com- command to arm side, that's his arm side. Away and down was really good. You mentioned it. I'm I'm going to give credit to a lineup that made an adjustment. You see it down, you let it go. You see it up, you let it right. fly. It's, that's it's, the it's, start it's that before kind of, against no, Minnesota. No, no question. That's yeah. that's what you do. The tipping of the pitching thing. Look, if you locate it. A lot of the times you can tell them it's coming. It's it's not really going to affect you. Uh, the quality of his two strike pitches were really good. That that's a big deal, right? You got to be unpredictable. You got to be good with that. You got to be efficient with that. He got better at that after the first inning. First inning's a little rocky. Got to get through that. The first inning will tell you sort of. I've made some adjustments against you. Was it tipping? Which I don't think it was. Or was it that you made an adjustment? You could tell you searching for it. Am I overthrowing it? Am I trying to be too fine with it? Am I aiming it like? He got through the first inning, which sort of gave him a little confidence. Now we roll. Yeah. So that ton- – and the big thing was the tunneling of the three different pitches, the fastball, the split, and the changeup. He sprinkled in more changeups. It's very hard to tell you sort of if it's a changeup, if it ain't a changeup. The mile per hour and does it move. The one that has a little sink or run to it, mm-hmm. for me anyway, looked like a changeup. Now, he could tell you that he put a little bit more pressure on his thumb right. when he's gripping the split finger. I mean, unless you slow it down and the, and the TV is just, you know, honed in on the release point, it's very hard. But you could tell location and the way it's moving. Split finger is more 12-6 off the table, right? It's tunneling, looks like his four-seamer, and then it just falls off the table. His changeup had a little bit more run to it, and then... He threw a couple against righties that were straight, but they were down. 
Reason why he's doing that, if you go from 95 to 86 and I'm a hitter and I know I'm looking down, I'm looking if it's down, I'm taking it because I think it's the split finger. Now it's not, and it's straighter, and he can still a strike that way. So he made adjustments. And against lefties, he had 13 at-bats against lefties. He threw 10 strike ones. That's a giant deal. Lefties were three for 13. Now Luis Arias had two of those hits. He's probably, you know, all around – He's going to give you something at the plate like he's a tough out. So you'll mm. give him that. So he did really well against the lefties. That's what you do. You stack a bunch of lefties against him. You eliminate his slider. He made an adjustment. That's we- the point here is now this part of the season, you know, he's maintaining velocity. Velocity got better the more he threw his heater. Lefties were 3 of 13 against him, and you mentioned uh, 10 strike ones. Against the lefties. That's a big against deal. Against the lefties. It is. That's a big deal. You, you got to pitch ahead. So now you get him in swing mode. You get him thinking, I got I to gotta protect all quadrants. Down, up, away. That puts a lot of, you know, doubt in a hitter's mind that now that guy can command all quadrants as a strike zone, at least the quadrants that how, matter. How do, how do the Jays get away with, or no, how do they get away with, how do they make up for Tim Mays' absence? They've got Matt Gage coming up here. He was the lefty out of the bullpen. Yes, Trevor Richards has the change up that's effective against lefties, but. I don't, Timber's good. No, Phelps, Phelps is good against lefties. You, you necessarily uh, Jimmy trust. Garcia, Bass. You know, is Tim, is Tim Mays a giant loss? Maybe in the sixth the and Gays, seventh inning. If, if, you're, if you're the Jays, do you go after Jake McGee? DFA'd? Hasn't really shown I, I guess. much I mean, this year. I, I know Matt, that Matt, Matt Gage, when you give him the ball, seemed to be like he's okay. The, the lights are not too bright, and he's got something to prove. He's tired of being in the minor leagues. He's tired of going to where he had to go to get to the big leagues. So he's every, every outing he goes out there – He's going to pitch it like it's his last one. Let's talk about the hitting, shall we? Uh, Vladdy Jr. has extended his hitting streak to 19 games. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., 20 games reaching in base. It's pretty clear Gurriel is going to be the leadoff hitter with with Springer uh, on the IL. And and Bo Bichette. I mean, we're we're starting to see some of that extra base, some extra base power. I love that first at bat. You talked about it on uh, Blue Jays talk following the game. His uh, RBI double in the in the second inning. That's where you want to be if you're Bo Bichette. Just the swing, the approach, and everything. Yeah, but then you have the you see the at bat with second and third, and he he swings at three pitches, not even close yeah. to the strike zone. <clears throat> the, the, those are the at bats, the one that he has second and third that you'd rather have him like his first at bat. Like you want him to go up and now I know he's facing a guy that has a weird arm angle, but even more emphasis on you really got to zone in. You really got to think about what you do well, and it's not chasing. If anything, this season will tell him chasing ain't gonna work. I mean, it's fun to watch, and, man, look at him, and sometimes his hat flies off and his hair's sweet, and, like, oh, that's cool. But to get the best out of Bo, I think, Bo, you know, probably needs to really think about the approach. He has everything a good hitter needs, bat speed, the hip rotation. He's got that 2022 thing where you drop the back elbow, you get the barrel in the hitting zone way back here. It stays in the zone a long time. He's got everything you need, like everything to be a really good hitter. Now it's refining what you don't swing at. That's the most important part. That'll get you paid like a big boy. Mm-hmm. The way he's hitting now, if I'm an organization, why would you pay him big time money? I know we always talk about it's Vladdy and Bo. It ain't Vladdy and Bo no more. This Bo makes it easier for the Blue Jays to go, nah, you know, let's see him, let's see him try this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see him figure it out. Let's see him be better at it. Because if he can't, where does he really fit in in a lineup? In a good lineup. 
Like, where does he fit it? You can't hit him second because he's too aggressive. You know, if you having George Springer when he's healthy leading off, you can't have Vladdy coming up first couple at bats with, you know, already having two outs on two pitches. You just can't have that. Like, that's sometimes it's good mm-hmm. because you're trying to stay away from a guy's best pitch and you want to be aggressive on a hitter's pitch. But to have the consistent approach that he has, for me, it's just making it easier for the Blue Jays not to pay him as, as much money as he thinks he's worth. So, for me... Just by the yesterday's approaches, his first at bat, he goes up, it's 0-1, he gets a pitch right down the middle. Look what he does with it. It's effortless. It's down and through the baseball. It's the smile at the end of his swing. Like, all the things that a good hitter does, he did it because of the pitch he swung at. And then he see him come up, I think it was the sixth inning, was second and third, and he looks like he's never hit before. So it's... You know, I, I'm a big fan of Bo. All the the adjustments he's made defensively, he's a really good player. But to be a great player and get paid the way he wants to get paid, he's got to start, and I'm sure the organization for the Blue Jays have have to start seeing more of the first at bat approaches. A reminder that we'll also have tickets to give away to uh, see the Jays and the BBB, what are we going? Cleveland Guardians? I can't even read this. Monday, August 15th, sorry. Uh, tickets to see the the uh, Jays and the Orioles. And uh, we'll give those away later on in the show. We'll do Barker's back leg bits. We will do in the East in the last, uh, the last half hour of the show. It's a Strange weekend in the American League East, to say the, to say the least. The first time since what did I say, June fifteenth, that the lead in the East has been under ten games. Under ten games. It's hard being the hunted. Jays nine and a half back of the Yankees. It's hard to be. It's it is. It's very hard to always set the bar as high as the Yankees have set it. It's tough. And then you got teams that are are trying to sort of test themselves and see how they match up. It's like the Cardinals. Cardinals actually came out and said, it's kind of nice to face one of the best teams in the mm-hmm. American League, see where we match up, see if we're really that good. Did you watch many of those, any, any of those games at all? I, I watched parts of it. The Cardinals were, I, you, I could, did. you could tell, and uh, Oliver Marmol, their manager, say it was different, it's a different series. Cardinals, Yankees, and St. Louis, there was a little bit of a, you could tell the Cardinals, there was a little extra spring in their step, Maybe. I think. Maybe. Yeah, look, I think the, the Cardinals' best players were their best players, and I think... Aaron Jordan Montgomery. Aaron, Jordan Montgomery might. Aaron might, Judge can't do everything. No, and Jordan Montgomery in the National League. Yeah, I mean, gonna, any, anymore. I don't think because the pitcher's not hitting. I don't think it matters which league you play in. I just think he's he's inv- evolved into. He can pitch in. He yeah. can elevate. He's got a good changeup and that big yacker. He's got that plays no matter what league you play in. Yeah, and I've got to think too. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals, there may be this little thing about you know. Really, we don't need Juan Soto. I mean, it would have been nice I to get really. Juan Soto, but I think some of the guys in that team are kind of, yeah, we'll see if we to can To make win. a deeper run the we'll playoffs, see if we maybe can they win need some more. Juan Soto. Caleb Joseph, former Major League catcher, former Baltimore Oriole, current Sportsnet analyst, will join us next. We'll take a catcher's, or we'll get a catcher's view on the plays at the plate. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans. Sportsnet 360, uh, the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everywhere. And wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Blair and Barker. Barker's in a bad mood today. Speak for yourself. Got a little bit of an edge to you. Uh, Caleb Joseph is former Major League catcher. Sportsnet analyst. Oh, God, yeah. It's two, two whole days. Uh, and Sportsnet analyst. We're, uh, we got a couple of minutes with him before he jumps on a plane. Caleb, thanks so much for joining Barker and myself. Look, uh, I want to talk about the play at the plate. Because your rookie year was 2014, I believe. That was the first year that the, the rules change came into effect. The rules change necessitated by Buster Posey's uh, leg fracture in 2011. So two things. One, what did you make of the play in the Jays game yesterday? And two, do you like the rule the way it is? Uh, I'll start with the latter. I, I, I don't love the rule the way it is because there's so much gray in there, right? And it just leaves so much room for interpretation. And I don't want to put any sort of interpretation in the hands of an umpire, in the hands of New York in terms of replay. I I don't love that. I hate that. Um, I will say for a catcher, it is a lot more heartwarming knowing that somebody's not turning the corner, coming around third base and is ready to blow you up like a running back and a middle linebacker having a, terrain crash but um i'll I'll say this they they had to do something considering one of the star players buster posey you know absolutely gets leveled and guys are just tired of it so they had to do something i I, what i made of the rule yesterday jeff was i felt like sanchez started in the lane okay Mm -hmm. When I was coming up, it, it, it was explained to me that you've got to give them a lane to slide. And then if the ball takes you into that lane, then you can make that adjustment. And then it's on the runner to avoid your path towards the ball. And another thing, point number two is once you have the ball, everything is fair game. So I remember vaguely the first year in 2014 trying to figure out that rule because you're just trying to wait for a whoop somebody must have taken him out at home plate <laughs> that's a, that's, that's, a a great, that's great son, somebody took somebody took him out somebody took him out of the luggage cart or something like that we'll get Caleb back can you imagine that's, that's Caleb's awesome. doing an interview boom that's awesome yeah get anyhow <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me the lane. In the lane, that's, I'm trying to get in the plane. That's tremendous. Uh, we're talking yeah. about we're talking to Caleb Joseph about the uh, uh, the play at the plate yesterday involving Whit Merrifield and uh, and Gary Sanchez. I think we have we have Caleb back. Caleb, we thought maybe somebody took you out with a luggage cart or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they heard me talking about places to play. Somebody goes, I got him. <laughs> he took me out. Let's take him. Uh, hey, how should, Gary, how should Gary Sanchez have played that? Could he have played that differently? Yeah, so here's the deal. Like, uh, yes, when I was coming up, you, 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 you were taught basically to give them a lane. You have to give them a lane so that they – can have a right of way somewhere. If the throw takes you into that lane, then it's on the runner to avoid you. And once you have contact of the ball, then everything is fair game. I remember vividly back in 2014, trying to figure out this rule 
and playing against none other than the Toronto Blue Jays in Baltimore. There was a play at home. I was set up towards the first base side, giving that outer lane. And it's Reyes coming around second base. Reyes hits third base. He comes in. He does the old swimmer move, which was brand new at the time, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody was either slide. I mean, he comes in head first, does the swimmer move. I'm, I'm like trying to avoid him not to make contact because I've heard about this rule or whatever. And he, he scores the run. And Buck Showalter was not happy. And so we took a deep dive on that rule. And he said, look, once you give them that lane, once you have the ball, then everything is fair game. So then after that, once I secured the ball on the inner part of that lane, in terms of uh, being positioned towards first base, as soon as I grabbed the ball, then I. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's truly a sign. It's truly a sign. It it's is truly a sign. He's, he's got a board of playing in like four minutes. So yeah, you think we should, uh, should just, we let, let, just let him go. Should we let Caleb yeah, scoot? Just, just call nah. him back and thank him. If he's yeah. got a, if he's got a board of playing, that is a sign. And he was making the point no about, he's making the point about Gary Sanchez. So basically if you want to break it down, Kevin, what you do is at the start of the play, you make sure you're given the, you just stop <laughs> it. You make sure you're given the base runner, the lane, then you sure. can move in. I just don't see how hard, why is this hard? I don't get it. Like, it, it's basically what you're doing as a catcher. When you see the ball hit to wherever it's the ball went to, you walk out in front of the plate, you watch where you put your foot, yeah. which is to give him a lane, and you just stand there and wait for the ball, and then the ball will take you where you should be going. Okay, but this, is, it. this is the thing. How's because, that hard? Be, well, because in the Baltimore game, the throw carried so – the throw carries the catcher. The catcher's going to go where the ball is. So if the throw carries the catcher, what's he supposed to do? Stand in front of home plate and catch the ball I, with I, one you, hand? You have to sell it that the the ball is taking you to where you're blocking the plate. That's what you're starting in a position to give that runner the lane. Right. That's your job. That's so. Whenever you know the the umpire gets on the phone and goes, "What did you see?" At least the first thing they're seeing is that catcher is out in front of the plate towards where the play's at to give you the lane, and then you adjust because of where the throw is going. I just don't see how hard this is. Like it's you know, the the I, for the very first time, I'm going to take up for an umpire. And say it's it's the rule because they're trying to have no doubt whatsoever that the runner has to run into yeah. a catcher who can't defend himself. Yeah, and and again, this play was overturned. The runner was called out, and it was overturned by New York. And I, and I, I I do get that's the one part where I get. Well, I, first of all, I don't understand why. I, I, I understand Rockabaldell, he's upset, but he's basically coming out and ripping into the guys who saw the play from his point of view, mm-hmm. which to me is silly. I understand you have to pitch a fit and everything, but I... Well, they're calling it that way know. because they're actually there. Yeah. They're going to let the okay, people but, that aren't there right, but have my, to overturn it. Yeah, but that that's... So but, it's smart. But my point is, yeah, but my point is it's not... It, it, it's silly for Rockabaldell to go after Alan Porter and his crew. Well, you know as well as anybody, don't... when you get mad... At, at whatever you're yelling at the first person you can yell at. I, guess. I mean, it's a, even it's if it's not it's their you. fault. Usually it's you. Um, <laughs> because you're usually wrong. Anyhow, so yeah, I mean, we've picked that play apart. I, we're, look, we're, bottom line is we both we're both in agreement. I like the rule the way it is. I don't think it needs to be changed. It comes up every now and just like every other baseball rule. It comes up every now and then. Somebody gets upset because once in a blue moon it costs them a game, and then we move on. 
So that's where I am. I do though have a bigger issue with the slide at set with the, the slide at second base. I have a bigger issue with that. Do you want to be able to take a, a second baseman yes, or a shortstop because to stop I, out? I do. I have a bigger issue. I have a bigger issue with that particular play because it just looks it 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 looks silly to see a guy pull up halfway up halfway up the baseline. Most guys don't run hard enough. Most guys don't know how to run the bases well enough to be able to do that. You just take the thought process out of Joe it. Joe Siddle? Okay. Actually, you know what? Like, let's bring Joe Siddle on. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get Joe Siddle to come on because I do want to talk to a catcher about this play. Before we get to Joe very quickly, though, Kevin, uh, what do the Jays do without George Springer in the lineup? I mean, I think they're sort of used to this. They're, they're prepared for it. They're, they're going to put Whit Merrifield. They're going to put, you know, whoever they have to top you in center field, they'll try and match up. I mean, the leadoff spot, Lourdes seems like he he likes it there. He's not changing his bats. It's not like it's putting pressure on him to, to be something he's not. He's not a run producer. So don't put him in one of those positions to try and be one. So leading off, you know, he's an on-base guy. He can continue to use the entire field and, be aggressive, and he's going to get a bunch of heaters because old big boy standing on the on-deck circles all of a sudden hot mm-hmm. and taking pitches that he's supposed to be taking. So, for me, the Lourdes thing makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure they'll they'll use that to their fullest. But we don't make. I don't think we make. I don't think we make a big enough deal about about how good a year Lourdes has had. I think we have to start making a bigger deal about that. He's been their best player. That's strong. He's been their best player. That's, that's strong. I mean, because he's hitting 300. He's been That's strong. I mean, he's got five homers and 44 ribbies or something. Mark, he's been, the he's, big boy playing first had a pretty good year. I mean, he's been, got 22 big ones and 70-plus ribbies. I think you can make the case that Lourdes Gurriel's been their most consistent hitter. Well, consistent the, and, and the best player, that's two different uh, things. I think he's been – I think he's uh, – I mean, uh, the, the, okay. he, if, you're, he, if you're a team he's, coming in, he's been in the, the heater Jays, for a couple you of months. Thinking about, let's figure out how to not let Lourdes beat us uh, right or, now, or Vladdy. Well, yeah, right but, now. but right now, right now, you're also spending time talking about Lourdes because he's because he's, he's hitting. He's I'm hit, not saying he's, he's not having for, a good he's hit year, for two months. Then. He's hit for two months. Nobody in this team has hit for two months like he has. Nobody, nobody. Now maybe best player. Okay, uh, there have been some defensive issues, but nobody in this team has hit like him for two months. They haven't. Anyhow, let's bring in Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central Analyst. Yet another former catcher. Thank mm-hmm. God we've got former catchers around because we can talk about this play. <laughs> Joe, we appreciate you joining us because uh, uh, I was getting a little worried there about Caleb and the uh, the dropped lines is when we're talking about collisions and things like that. Um, so you saw the, the play, actually. I, I, I guess the question I have is... How else, what else should Gary Sanchez have done in that play? Because that, to me, is what it gets down to, right? Is that Gary Sanchez, if you operate under the assumption that the play was overturned, New York saw it and said the rule was violated, all right, what should Gary Sanchez have done? Because clearly he was the guy who violated the rule. Exactly, guys. I'm driving back from Windsor from my home, and I'm, of course, entertained by tuning this in. And this is the first time I've ever pinch hit in my life when I heard Caleb's phone go down. (laughs) Glad to join you. But, Kev, you said it best a few minutes ago. Why is this so hard? You know what, Kev? I got two words. Mm. Gary Sanchez. This was not a very smart play by a catcher because all you have to do, I think, is set up in fair territory to give that run of the lane. The, the emphasis of this entire rule is to give for the catcher to give the runner a lane. Well, if you're straddling home plate as the ball's being thrown from left field, you're, you're telling everyone right now that you're kind of trying to bend the rule. Now, 
I think, and Caleb had talked about it from back in 2014, I think most catchers, right when this rule was adopted and coaches, they were already scheming, thinking, how can we kind of manipulate this Mm -hmm. where it looks like we're catching the ball, but we're going to drop the leg at the same time. You can get away with this. I don't think it's a huge issue most times unless you get a guy like Gary Sanchez that's straddling the plate right from the beginning. I guarantee you when they went to New York, that's all they saw. The ball's still in left field, and he's straddling the plate. So what does that do for Whit Merrifield? He does not have a lane. So if you don't have a lane, we have to call it. But if he's standing, like you know, way back when we used to do it, it was my, I put my left heel on the tip of, the whole of home plate pointing toward third base. My right foot would be in fair territory. So you always kind of had that lane. And then of course you're trying to close it off and block mm-hmm. it as soon as you can. But I think if Sanchez is doing that, if he's in fair territory to start, then you can kind of manipulate that throw coming home and scheme a bit to say that I'm in the act of receiving the throw as I drop that leg. And I think he could have blocked the plate done everything he did. The plate could have ended up exactly the way it did with Merrifield's foot never getting to the plate. But I think Sanchez would have been okay. But it's the fact that he's straddling home plate from the start. Joe, is it harder when the ball's coming from left field to do what you're saying? It, it's, I would say it's easier, Kevin. The reason oh. is because you can, you can see everything. If, if I'm facing the left fielder, that runner's right there in my peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. If the ball's coming from center or right, now I'm going with my right foot. I'm going pointing to center, pointing to right. Now your head's swiveling, too, and you can't see what's happening. Now, before this collision rule, and I got blown up several times, and that's why they generally got you because it's almost like getting blindsided as a quarterback mm-hmm. sometimes. Because if the runners thought that you were going to receive the ball when he was three, four, five feet away from the plate, they knew it was going to be close. And then if I caught the ball and applied the tag, I might get them. They would choose to target you and blow you up. And that's, I think, why the rule was adopted. I, uh, but the problem, and Caleb mentioned it, there's just so much gray area with this rule. But the simple fact is, as a catcher, you just have to set up properly and give that lane. I think the one thing that you have to remember here too, and nobody's mentioned it, is that this runner with Merrifield, this was a sacrifice fly play. He's coming right from the third base bag directly to home plate in a straight line. Right. Oftentimes this play, it's a runner rounding third. So now the angle that that runner is creating is over by the third base dugout coming home. Mm-hmm. So he kind of creates that angle. No matter where the catcher set up, you kind of have a path to the plate. So I think the fact that this was a sacrifice fly and Merrifield's going in a direct line. That causes a lot of this problem, too. And I think also, we, and we have to credit uh, Whit Merrifield for sliding because I know one of the points Brandon Hyde made in the the, the incident in the Baltimore game with Robinson Chirinos is, and I, I, I can't remember who the base runner is, but one of the points Brandon Hyde made is the guy didn't even slide. Like, yeah. you know, he just, he kind of sort of hopped into the catcher. Like, what what's Chirino supposed to do? The guy, the yeah, guy no, hopped into you know, him. Jeff, on that point, I thought this was, um, uh, I think I read an Arden's uh, story on this about Merrifield. Merrifield actually said that he knew how Sanchez sets up at the plate. How many players mm. have you, do you think know how catchers set up on plays at the plate? I thought it was a genius move by Merrifield, but just a veteran smart player. So heads up, that's being aware of the game. So he knew from earlier in the week, I think Sanchez was straddling the plate like that. So in Merrifield's mind, I'm going to go straight hard, feet first into the plate. And if he does the same thing, they're probably going to call him. And he was right on. So are you worried about Jose Barrios? You know, Kev, I've said a couple of starts ago that I wasn't, and I might be changing my tune now because of the inconsistencies. He had a pretty good run and all, but 
If you ask me if the next time he goes out in the pitch, how's he going to do? I have no idea. And that alone is probably concerning because, as we know, the first round of the playoffs is two out of three. And if you split the first two games, guess what? It's Jose Barrios, I think, and probably with a a short leash and a bullpen ready, hopefully because of how well maybe Gosman or how deep Gosman and Minogue go in game one and two. But, yeah, it's a concern. I think the concern more than anything is – as, as we have seen, when, when he's got that good sinker going, he's got that good movement on his fastball, mm-hmm. good life on his fastball, and the good breaker, he's generally good. And when he doesn't, everything's kind of eh and gets hit pretty good. And it's, there's, there's really no rhyme or reason. We know it can be mechanical for sure. We know it could be mental. I talked to Jose about this a couple weeks ago, and I asked him, I was going dating way back, and it was a White Sox game where he just got lit up pretty early and just nothing really not a lot of life on his pitches and i asked what are you doing in game or or is there a reason and he kind of didn't have an answer he's just you know some days it's just not there try hard to make those adjustments in game as you do as a catcher you try to help a pitcher out maybe with your setup you can be very subtle to try to help him get that that breaking ball out there away from righty a little bit more so you try to do things but in game they just weren't working he didn't really have an answer uh, it can be mechanical. Kev, you've talked mechanically a lot about mm-hmm. you, whether it's flying open or your stripe, but so many different things, throwing across your body. But for a guy like that, it's just so surprising to me because he's got such a track record of being such a solid, reliable big league pitcher. And now it's like, hmm. So, yeah, it's concerning. The inconsistency has to be concerning for a team that uh, not only wants to get to the postseason but make a deep run. Why do you think he's so much worse on the road? That's weird, eh? That's, a, that's a strange one. When I first started looking at that, I'm kind of, you know, you look at the teams that he faces and maybe was he facing some better lineups on the road. And I didn't see a whole lot of rhyme or reason. Heck, that's with that terrible opening day start, too. It's amazing that those numbers are what they are right. at home. And there's a comfort level sometimes. I've had pitchers tell me before, you know, as a catcher, it's not as big a deal. It is, you know, receiving pitches in the backdrop. But turn yourself around as a pitcher. And I've had pitchers tell me, like, when, when they're on the mound in some ballparks, the, the backstop, the screen, the seats, the stands, everything that they see in behind, maybe even subconsciously because you're focusing on the catcher, obviously, but all of that, some ballparks, it feels like the catcher's like 40 feet away. Other ballparks, it makes the catcher feel like they're 80 feet away. Like So that deception could be funny, and that, maybe if we ask him that question, he might just say that the Rogers Center, it's just, it just feels like the catcher's right there and I just own hitters. You know, There could be something there which turns into a bit of a mental advantage as well. Nah, I don't have that answer, though. Joe, listen, we really appreciate you pinch hitting today. Oh, Thanks so much. You, uh, you, you hit it out of the park. Double in the gap. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say hit it out of the park. But... <laughs> double in the gap. Always a pleasure, fellas. take a double in the gap. Take care. Thanks, Joe. Drive safely. Thanks, See you, Joe. Take care. Thanks, Joe. All righty. That's Joe Siddle, our Blue Jay Central analyst, Siddle. stepping in for... Uh... He's not a home run hitter. He's a doubles guy. Siddle? Stay behind the ball, hit the ball the other way. That was all right. Pick him up, sit him down. That was good. Stand so up there, there you go. We we did get kind of the, to the bottom of it, though, and, and not surprisingly, blame Gary Sanchez, <laughs> which is, has kind of been the story well, of Gary Sanchez. No, it's been it. the story of Gary Chirinos Sanchez's career. Chirinos did it, too. So it's just not one catcher doing it. It's just you got to be a good salesman. Yeah. That's what, basically what Joe's saying is put yourself out in front, no matter what, give the runner a lane and let the ball tell the, you where you need to go it, and it, end up. It, Joe did make an interesting point, though, about on a sacrifice fly. It's not like you're rounding third and you've taken a big, you, you've taken a big, you know, uh, you've taken a big turn it, going around third. You're running straight down. So that I would think that would actually make it easier for the catcher. The catcher knows the guy's coming here. So if I'm here, I'm giving him the lane. It's not like. When the guy's rounding third, if he takes a big turn and you don't know exactly where the lane is, which just makes it 
Yeah, even more. Uh, For me, that doesn't change where the where the catcher starts. May change where he ends up because of where the runner's coming from. But it doesn't change where he starts. He's, st- he's still going to go out in front of the plate. Go out in front of the plate, line up to the target, get in an athletic position, and let the ball tell you where you end up. I don't see how that's hard. I understand why the manager's yelling and screaming because that's what they're supposed to do. Take up for their players. But it's an it's an easy rule. Like, it's it's not a hard thing here, at least for me anyway. The uh, Jays and Orioles will start a three-game series tonight at Camden Yards. First pitch is, I believe, a 707 on uh, 705. 705 yeah. on what? Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet, you say Kikuchi on the mound. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> Jordan Lyles. Oh, boy. For the Orioles. I mean, that, that screams Trent Thornton. I mean, it truly does. I hate to say it that way, but I mean, the Orioles are confident, they got nothing to lose. Big series for the Orioles. They can call. They can. They can. They can get into the wild card spot here at this series. All of a sudden, you got to play good against them to be. Yeah. Dan Connolly covers the Orioles for the Athletic. He'll join us. We'll take a deeper dive into the Orioles. What's made them so surprising this year? Can they keep it up? Find out. Blair and Barker on 590, 360, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.